What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where we teach you how to grow your social media by talking to the people that have actually done it. My guest today is Praveen, better known as the flute guy on all social media, and he's a classical Indian flute player that travels around the world playing the flute. Now, music has always been a passion of Praveen's, but before that, he studied at Oxford, and then he got a job working for Harvard, and then to follow that up, he worked for NASA. So he is a former NASA scientist. Oh, and um, on top of all that, he's only 23 years old. Guys, Praveen is an extremely intelligent, extremely interesting individual, and I'm very, very happy with how our conversation turned out. And on top of that, this interview is, is a really special one for me because Praveen is the first person I've ever interviewed that's not fr- that doesn't live in Ottawa. So Praveen is from London and how this interview came to be is his agency, Pia Media, saw a comment that I left on someone else's Instagram page, happened to come to my page, saw that I have a podcast, saw that my podcast was in Ottawa and that Praveen was going to be in Ottawa within the, within the next month. So it was just a super duper lucky chain of events that led to this interview happening and they said that Praveen would probably be a really good person to get on my podcast. So I checked out Praveen's page and sure enough, he has over 13,000 Instagram followers. But on top of that, he only had around just under 1,600 just over a year ago. So he's really grown pretty quickly on Instagram, especially now when people are saying it's even harder and harder to grow on Instagram because it's so saturated. He's grown quite a bit in the last year. He's currently averaging almost 1,600 new followers a month. So what the total amount of followers he had just over a year ago, he's now averaging that same amount of increase every single month. It's super duper impressive, guys, and we're going to get into how he produces his content, what his best performing content is, how he manages all the different social media platforms because Instagram is not his only platform although it is his biggest he also has a Facebook page with over 10,000 likes and he has over 6,000 YouTube subscribers and on top of that before going solo he was in a musical group and they've had videos on YouTube reach over 275,000 views every single video that this group he was in put out reached more views and they had subscribers every single time so we're going to get into how he's grown his different social media pages how he manages having different social media pages because he also has a twitter so what is his content strategy between all the platforms because he doesn't want to be posting the same thing every everywhere and we also talk about this concept of running directly at your fears this is something that we talk about that praveen tries to do because if something scares him and he does it anyway something good almost always comes out of it it's a really profound thought and a really profound part of this conversation i think it's a really important part so i encourage you to listen closely to when he starts talking about that but anyways guys enough rambling from me here i'm so excited for you to hear this as i said this was a really really cool episode for me to record i mean this is only the ninth episode and i've already been reached out to by someone else to ask if their client could come on my podcast that was just super cool and unique for me so i'm really really excited for you to hear this i hope you enjoy it What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where we teach you how to grow your social media by talking to the people that have actually done it. My guest today is Praveen. Am I saying that correctly? Yes, you are. Yeah. Praveen, the flute guy, and you're a traveling musician. You play the classical Indian flute all over the world. Yes, that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Praveen has grown his Instagram to over 13,000 and his Facebook to over 10,000. So I'm going to kind of let you tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, thank you for having me, Jacob. That's my Great pleasure. Great to be here. Um, yeah, so I think you pretty much summed it up. I play the Indian classical flute. Um, I've been doing the social media stuff for just a year. Um, 
and from that, yeah, I've been able to travel around the world, performing and creating content to basically grow even further. And that's what I've been doing. Yeah, that's awesome. So I want to start with the flute. Uh, when did you start playing? So my father was a was an Indian classical flute player. And so when I was born, he kind of just forced it upon me. I had no say in the matter, but I grew to love it. And um, it's now I've been taking it so seriously that like he never kind of expected that to happen. And it's kind of gone to <laughs> a different level, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome. So since you were five, you've been playing pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Was there ever any other instruments or was it always the flute? It was always the flute, but there were other instruments. So I can I can sing a bit, mm-hmm. um, though not publicly. Um, <laughs> okay. And I play the murudangam, which is a South Indian drum. Um, so I have like a bit of percussion knowledge as well. Awesome. So when your dad started to teach you when you were five, ha- has he always been your teacher? Has there been other teachers you've also worked with? Or how did that work? Yeah, I've been really lucky to have a variety of different teachers. For example, I had a drum teacher and a vocal teacher I still go to for lessons. Um, and then I often went to India, to Chennai in South India, to get some advanced lessons from like advanced flute gurus. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and I think I saw one of your YouTube videos. You said that you can also kind of play by ear, like you can hear a song and play it on the flute. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, actually, that's the kind of tradition in Indian classical music is to just be able to listen to music and kind of replicate it. That's how we learn. So we don't actually have notation. Okay. We kind of have to listen and then memorize it ourselves. Um, so that's the kind of main difference between Indian classical and Western classical music. And that's actually helped me a lot because when I listen to pop songs or when I listen to jazz music or anything like that, I can just listen to the singer and then just kind of play it immediately. So that's really helped me and kind of ad- like branch out into different genres. Yeah. So what, so mainly like there's no sheet music or anything when you're playing? Or? No, generally no. I mean, uh, some people do learn from it, but I try as much as I can not to do it. Yeah. So yeah. has does it, do you ever run into the instance where you're playing the flute and you play a song one time and you play another time and it's just a little bit different? I mean, I think I kind of purposely make it different, actually. I kind of um, think that's a good thing because every time someone hears me, like it's a, it's a different way I'm playing it. And another part of Indian classical music is that it's heavily improvised. So in fact, there's a lot of similarities between Indian classical music and jazz and blues, uh, which people might not expect. But actually, they're really similar in terms of just improvising making it up and kind of just going with it so i do a lot of that yeah that's awesome so you started playing when you were five Mm. when was your first live performance my first live performance was like with a group of students um and it was i think i was like eight um but then my first solo performance was when i was nine and uh yeah so i've always kind of just grew up with the stage but i'm still every time i go on stage i'm still nervous that will never go away yeah it's like a really weird thing Yeah. yeah Um, so do you remember that first, like th- when you were nine, can mm-hmm. you t- kind of tell that story? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, um, at that age, you kind of, you're kind of used to just playing. You, you don't really think about the audience, I think. So I think I was less nervous when I was a kid than oh, I really? am now. Because okay. uh, you kind of just get on stage, just do what you have to do and then get off, right? So I just did that. Um, but the crazy thing that happened was that after I finished playing, the organizers came up to me and gave me money because it was a performance to be paid for right so like oh, as cool. a solo concert so that was the first time i was actually paid for a performance and i was just thinking wow like this is incredible like it was just i think it was like a five pound note it was like nothing but i was like oh my god like this is insane i want to do this so might that might actually have been a pivotal moment in my career actually looking back yeah so from that point have you always been playing the flute or was there ever a lapse like where you didn't play for like a year or something or um actually there's never been a lapse and i it's i'm very lucky actually because it's because so usually when people go to university they kind of drop music and then they focus on their main degree and you know whatever that is um which is what i almost did um i like practice a lot less when i was at university but the lucky thing is i met a lot of uh students um who are musicians um even though they didn't study a music degree they they loved music and so 
we'd make it a point to kind of meet and just jam and practice and then that actually kept my music up so i'm very lucky to have met people to help me to encourage me to continue playing yeah that's crazy and then so sorry from that back to that first performance has there been any like other notable performances i know that one's pretty notable because it was the first one you got paid but is there any other ones like from then till now that really stand out in your mind sure i think um when people ask me the most memorable performance i guess i would say buckingham palace um because it's just it's pretty much um I think Buckingham Pass might be the hardest place to kind of perform in because uh, it's so kind of um, like when we got inside, we, we weren't even allowed to take photos or anything like that. Like we weren't we had to give our phones and stuff. And I was just thinking, wow, like next to the White House, this is pretty much like the biggest deal ever. So and, you know, I performed in front of Prince Charles and um, it was such an incredible opportunity. And I was just thinking to myself, I, I play a wooden stick <laughs> for a living and I got into the Buckingham Palace. Like that's in, that's an insane feeling. So. Uh, and on top of that, I got paid as well to do that. So <laughs> it's like a bonus, you know? So yeah, it was, that's probably up there. Yeah. So how, so how did that opportunity come about? So I was lucky to kind of, so one thing leads to another, you know? So the first thing that happened was that I got in touch with a very famous Kawali singer. So a singer from Pakistan called Ustad Rahat Fadali Khan. And he, working with him, got me in touch with Naughty Boy, who's a producer um, who's worked with Sam Smith and oh, awesome. Beyonce. So like, so then I'm sitting in the studio with Naughty Boy and then he turns to me and he's like, Praveen, do you want to play in Buckingham Palace? And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so then I basically did a gig with him on stage and that Buckingham Palace. So that was insane. So I guess I have one degree of separation from Beyonce, which is... <laughs> hey, that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you talked about going to school and was music your main degree when you went to college? It wasn't, actually. Um, so I studied biochemistry at uh, at university and um i kind of did it for two reasons like one i was interested in biochemistry like for me what was interesting about what is interesting about biochemistry is that i understand life at a fundamental level like dna and things like that like it's actually really so like really interesting to me but at the same time i also wanted to kind of polish my cv my resume as much as i can so that i have something to fall back on in case my music fails. So I had, I always had a plan of doing music full time. Like that's something I've had since I was like 16, I think. I, I wanted to drop out and do music. But my parents were like, no, like get a degree and then we'll talk, you know? So then I just did the degree. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'd, I'd worked really hard on my degree in order to just make sure that no one can say anything to me if I do music full time. And that, does, that hasn't stopped. People are saying things, but at least I have a bit of an argument. You know, I can say, hey, I've got this, you know, I've got this degree, so, you know, like, let me try just for a bit. Yeah. So you, you completed the pro like your program entirely, like graduated. Yeah. So it's actually everything. a four year um, master's. Like it was a master's and a bachelor's actually. So like I have a master's, I guess. So that's again like just just to kind of fend off all the arguments. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So and you went to school at Oxford, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you went kind of from one prestigious school to another because it was shortly after you graduated that you ended up working at Harvard, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's the, yeah, that's basically the story. Yeah, I went to Harvard. Um, that was quite brief, actually. I think it was like a month and a half at Harvard. Um, but at my time there, it was, it was incredible because I used the time there actually to do a lot of music work because I collaborated with musicians and, um, yeah, really made the most out of that experience. Yeah, so what were you doing at Harvard? So I was actually working in a physics lab, even though I come from a biochemistry degree. Like, I was working with uh, physicists and we were working on microfluidic devices. 
I would, I would be guessing if I knew what that was. <laughs> Do you want to kind of explain what that sure, is? Sure, sure. Um, so basically, um, where the where technology is going right now, we are we're able to now kind of separate cells into single cells, and so we can actually understand the. So if we take a tumor, for example, a cancerous tumor, instead of looking at it holistically, we can actually look at the differences between each individual cell, and so we can understand its heterogeneity, um, and so that makes it much easier to tackle it because there are such subtle differences between cells. So that if we remove the tumor completely, there's always some left over and we can't, we can't really understand what's going on, right? So in order to understand the genetic and non-genetic differences between those cells, we need to just sort them into single cells. And so I was just developing the technique for sorting them into single cells. Okay. Wow. That's <laughs> impressive, man. Thanks. Man. That's <laughs> awesome. And then so from Harvard, mm. you didn't really, like, there wasn't much of a break and then you ended up working at NASA? Yeah, basically, I, um, it, was, it was actually through a scholarship from Oxford that I was able to go to NASA. And um, yeah, so I was, I was just extremely lucky to have received that scholarship. And um, yeah, I went to NASA and that was pretty much the big, like it's such a life exp uh, changing experience um, because I not only got to work at probably the most prestigious place I've ever worked at, it's, it was um, being in California, being in a place where everyone's kind of an entrepreneur, <laughs> you know, where everyone's kind of trying to hustle and all that kind of stuff. That taught me a lot about what I should do in my music. Um, and so while I was at California, I actually made a lot of music videos and collaborated with a lot of different artists. And it was truly a privilege to kind of do that alongside working at NASA. So um, that definitely set me up to become like the full-time flute guy, I guess. Yeah. Because at that time, I was only partially a flute guy. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So it was, it's kind of like the most prestigious job you said you've ever had led to you playing the flute, which is really cool. Because I yeah. don't think... So you were, you're a NASA scientist then. Sorry? D technically, you're a NASA scientist, though, then? I guess, yeah, former NASA scientist, yeah. I guess, yeah. Yeah, so what were, you, like, what were you doing when you were at NASA? So I can't talk about it too much uh, That's fair. due to federal laws and things <laughs> like that, but um, I can say that I was working mainly in astrobiology. I was working different things, but mainly astrobiology uh, regarding life on other planets. Um, so kind of coming up with new biochemical-based theories as to how and why life could evolve or would evolve on other planets. That's, that's wild. That's crazy. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. It was, uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah. And you so I think I saw you there for like about four, four months, I think. Yeah. 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 And then so after that is kind of when you decided to go full time flute. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's nothing against NASA, nothing against science. I love it all. But I think there's just something inexplicably inexplicable about the way I feel about music. It's mm -hmm. just I just love it. It yeah. doesn't feel like work. Yeah. And like you said, too, with the degree you've got and plus the experience you have with work, you have a very solid foundation to fall back on if you need to. Hopefully, yeah. Fingers yeah. crossed, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, right now, it doesn't seem like you need to. Oh. So things are, going, <laughs> things are going well. Thank you. No Thank worries. you so much. When did you kind of take on the name The Flute Guy? Um, so it must have been July or June. No, no, it must have been like May um, twenty. 17 okay. was when I just I created the Instagram. I had an Instagram, like a personal Instagram, but I just changed it to the flute guy. Mm -hmm. um, and it came about because when I was at university, my, when my friends introduced me to their friends, they'd just be like, oh, this Praveen, he's the flute guy. As if like they'd talked about me before and as about like about like a flute player, so they were like, oh, this is the flute guy. So it kind of just came about because my friends called me that. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome though. And then so that kind of shortly after NASA's when you kind of adopted that name and it was actually before okay. um, NASA and Harvard actually um, and so while I was there I was half the flute guy half working at NASA and, and Harvard and things like that and then after finishing those I was just like you know what let's just carry on with this flute guy make it a full-time thing yeah. um, but at that time I did have a Facebook page and an Instagram page and they were kind of like 
th- they were there. Like, yeah. yeah, I was kind of regularly kind of posting, I guess, every few days. Yeah. So how recently was it from from now until when you left NASA? Like, was that recent? So I left NASA. Um, it must have been. So I was still working for them after I went back to the UK because I was still submitting work for them and documents and things like that. So that maybe stopped February. Okay. Um, of this year, actually. So yeah, I guess yeah. yeah. So it's still quite recent, I guess. Yeah. And then something I kind of want to go back a couple of years is something you started the Fusion Project. Yes. Was that something you started with all those people you were kind of jamming with in school? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So we all met at university. We s- it started with just jamming in our bedrooms, and then it became fully fledged concerts that we organized with tickets. So we made money off that. So that was pretty insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like these days, we we aren't able to make as much music as we have been before because we're not at university. So we're just all spread out like in, like uh, all around London and like so I think one of us is from India so like they're always there and things like that. So it's kind of hard to meet up and make music. So that's the unfortunate. So like it's actually much harder to maintain a band than it is to be a soloist actually. Yeah. So w- were you kind of the founder behind the Fusion Project? Like you kind of were the one that got it all together? So it was myself and another co-founder. We both kind of, he was, he was a guitarist and um, we just kind of met up and it, w- it just started with us two jamming and then I was like hey I've got some friends who'd be really interested in joining this and he was like yeah I've got some friends who might be interested in it and so we brought our friends together and then then we became a band I guess yeah and you had social media handles for everything for that we as did. well yeah so I learned about so I learned a lot about social media from working in the yeah. band so were you running those social media channels I actually wasn't um but um I kind of observed I guess and saw what was working yeah. and I thought okay you know what yeah this pretty cool and i think i saw the account had somewhere around six thousand youtube subscribers but you have a bunch of videos with like two hundred and seventy-five thousand views like mm. it's pretty crazy yeah 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 it's insane um it, we were lucky because like yeah we just posted it and like just, i think vlo- uh, bloggers kind of um from india were like resharing it and stuff so that really i think helped with the growth of my band yeah so do you like would there be any tips you would have for like like any reason other than like them sharing it that really helped it get picked up like how did they even find it did you guys use specific tags or anything when you're posting the video was it the thumbnail the, mm. the cat like the video title that's a good question i actually i personally believe that it's it's it really is the content itself like i i think um we we we, made, we put a lot of effort into making the videos look good um like like professionally shot and things like that we made sure that the western classical musician the western musicians sorry were dressed in the western way and the indian musicians were dressed in an indian way and so we can show the fusion visually um, and also, we we spent a lot of time on the music. We spent a lot of time making sure that there were Indian moments and there were English moments, so that it could be just appealing to as many people as possible, you know. So I think for us, yeah, we definitely spent a lot of time on the content, yeah. um, and that must have helped, I think. Yeah, that's fair. And yeah, because I think I looked in every single video is more views than you had subscribers. Wow. Which is pretty cool. Wow, that's insane. Yeah. Is there any reason you think that a lot of those views didn't translate to subscribers though? Like again, like a video is like hundred thousand views, two hundred seventy-five thousand mm. views, but only six thousand subs. Yeah, I'm. I'm not really sure to be honest. Um, I guess. Um, I mean, we also had a lot of views on Facebook, and I think on our, our Facebook page is probably bigger than our YouTube page. I think our Facebook mm-hmm. page is like something like over fifteen thousand or something. So, I think um, we focused a lot on Facebook. I think, and like when we posted something on Facebook, we'd shared the Facebook video on our personal pages. And I guess we had a lot of band members. I think at its highest point, we had like ten band members. So it helped that there was a lot of people in the band anyway. And then we had a lot of people helping out anyway. So altogether, there must have been like twenty people involved in the production of a video. So that when we released it, immediately twenty people would share it. And so that initial growth, I think, definitely helped. I think there's a lot to be said for an initial growth or something. Because I feel like Facebook and Instagram, the way they work, and YouTube even, like, if there's a lot of initial growth, that definitely, I think, helps 
just with the general growth um, during the entire time period. That's just a theory I just have. I don't know if it's true or not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but so back to Facebook, because you said that was something you really worked on it, with the 15,000 likes on the page. Is that something you guys um, got through from sharing all your videos and stuff, like mm-hmm. through all the people? Like, is that how you grew it to 15,000? Because I feel like Facebook's a hard one because there's not really a discoverability on it yeah. outside of shares. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Um, I feel like maybe it might have been easier back in the day because this was probably back in 2014 or something like that. Um, so it's definitely easier back then than it is now because I think the algorithm's definitely changed since then. Um, but yeah, I think, so I remember my first video when we put it out, I shared the video to all my, f- I messaged it to like friends I thought would be interested in something like that. So like dancers, for example, or other Indian classical musicians. So um I remember doing that for the first video. I haven't done it since then, but I think, yeah, for the first video, because it was just like, oh, it's the first time I'm actually on the internet, which is pretty insane. Um, so I remember doing that. I remember I was, because I was also really proud of that. Like, it was a, it was a really cool first video. It was a cover of an Ed Sheeran song, I See Fire. Um, really liked it. And, um, yeah, so I think, yeah, kind of personally kind of messaging people helped. Uh, but I haven't done it since then because I don't want to spam people. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. And so do you think that because the band kind of not disbanded, but everyone kind of moved on from university, that that's why you're really pursuing solo now? But if you'd all been closer together, would you think you have stuck with it and really tried to take it somewhere? Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of them now are kind of doing medicine and law full time. Um, so they've got like full time jobs. So it's actually I reach out to them and it's hard for them. They can only do weekends. And that's when I'm performing. Um, so like for me, it's like like Monday morning would be the best time to work with me. Uh, but that's exactly when they go to work, you know. So like it's 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 really hard to kind of navigate through that. Um, so when I do collaborate, it's ten- it tends to be with people who can take a day off or something. So for example, on next week I'm going to Toronto, and I'm working with uh, these uh, Indian string instrument players, and they're taking the day off to collaborate with me. So that's pretty awesome. I'm actually really grateful for something like that. But people who can do that, or just by coincidence, I'm able to collaborate with someone just at the right time, you know. So sometimes you kind of just have to let the universe dictate when you can collaborate i guess yeah so the fusion project for uh, all intents purposes pretty much done you think mm, no, i wouldn't say done like done. i think um like there's definitely there will definitely be a chance to collaborate again i like i definitely believe that um but when i don't know mm-hmm. yeah I hear you. so um with going solo now you talk about always performing on the weekends you travel quite a bit yeah correct so like where have you kind of where has the flute taken you basically sure um yeah it's taken me to the craziest places um i've never i never thought i'd be busking in new york times square that's something i never considered doing uh so i've done that um i've also been to i guess yeah i mean like parts of canada like it was insane like i made a video um i saw a pirate ship in montreal and i just thought you know what i'm gonna play pirates of the caribbean in front of it so i did that um, and this morning actually it was just shared by Classic FM, the radio station. Okay. So that was insane. So I never thought I'd be doing that in Montreal, you know. So that that was that was cool. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been lucky to perform in like Norway, um, and um, France, Italy, things like that. So it's like taking me to just crazy parts of Europe and the states. I performed in Indiana State in the U.S. That's something like I never would have even thought about doing. So a place called Muncie, it's like a little town in Indiana. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Like, and they've never heard of the Indian classical flute over there. Never even thought about it. So it works both ways. Like, they're com- learning something completely new, and so am I. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So when you're traveling, do you usually get the opportunity to kind of travel, or is it pretty much strictly business when you're on the road? Most of the time, it is strictly business. It is hard to kind of travel. Um, but when I do get out, I I try to make the most of it. Um, and so when I travel, I actually tend to not sleep much. Like, yeah. I get up really early in order to kind of 
travel as much as I can, see the place, soak it all in, um, and then perform and then sleep late. And then, um, yeah, you know, I just sacrifice sleep as much as I can when I'm traveling because I'm on the road. So actually traveling helps me hustle, I guess, more than when I'm at home because I just don't feel like I'm like in that mode and stuff like that. So I'm forced to do as much, as many things as I can when I'm on the road. Yeah. So out, kind of outside of the flute, though, is there any, when you're traveling, is there any places that like really stood out to you from like a travel perspective? Mm. Um, well, I spent a weekend in New York. That's, that's, I've only been there for three days. Um, so that was pretty awesome. I didn't, I didn't do much aside from just busking in Times Square. So actually everything I did there was touristy. So I went to as many places as I can, like Empire State, MoMA and all these things. Like it was amazing. Um, so yeah, that's the, that's probably the most touristy I've been and absolutely love New York. Um, but the next time I go to New York, I really, I actually want to do the music scene there. Like there's a lot of amazing jazz music and things like that that's happening there. So I really, really want to soak myself in that next time if I ever get an opportunity to go back. Yeah. That's awesome. I think it's cool though that you've ascended to a point where you're performing in Buckingham Palace, <laughs> but you're still able to go to New York and do like street busking. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. really cool. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, because yeah, I know like some musicians probably like once they hit a certain point, like they would never think to busk again. Right. right? Yeah. So I just think it's cool that that's something that you're still. Yeah, I mean, do. like I hope I'm. I never change that mindset. You know, like I want to be like, like eighty and like still busk in New York. You know, and yeah, um, yeah just kind of just do it because. I think at the end of the day, it's, I, I do it for the music, you know, like I just like playing. Um, so even if no one's listening to me, no, that's fine. Like I'll just play. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's good. I think it, it's important to love what you're doing and not just do it to try and get a certain level of fame or a certain level of money. Yeah, it really so is. So that's awesome. So I kind of want to transition to Instagram now. Sure. I like to do the first half kind of about, about you, kind of give people context so they know who you are. Your Instagram, so you said you had it always, like, just kind of as a personal Instagram for a while. Mm. And then 2017, I think you made the switch to the flute guy? Yes, I did, yeah. And I think I looked, you went from something like 1,600-ish followers, 1,500 followers, to where you are now, 13,000, in a little over a year. Yes. So what kind of worked, like, how did you do that? Because that's a pretty impressive thing, because I feel like a lot of people are getting to the point where it's like, it's so hard to grow now, like, you almost can't. Yeah. So saturated. How did you do that? Did you do a lot of hashtag work? Did you do some people buy followers like i don't judge maybe that's what you did maybe mm. it's a follow and follow like how did you grow your instagram page sure um i must give a lot of credit to pia media who um helped manage my account for a long time uh, and still helped me with my like account and so basically i mm, i don't know how it grew i guess um so i think consistency like i always posted i actually don't post every day i post every two or three days okay um because I, i'm all, i'm always i'm kind of aware that i don't want to spam too much but whenever i do post i do want to make it um the best kind of quality post as I can. And as a musician, I know I need to make a video at least every week. So I I kind of use the hashtag Music Monday. So every Monday I post a music video on Instagram. Um, and that helps me, it forces me to kind of create as much as I can every week. Um, so it gets me into that kind of mindset. And then once I actually, for a few months, I actually used another hashtag, Takademi Tuesdays. And Takademi is basically like a rhythmic uh, kind of sound that we use in Indian classical music. So that was the kind of point of Takademi Tuesday was to kind of incorporate Indian rhythms and make some kind of short video that's cool, I guess. So for a long time, I was doing Mon Music Mondays and Takademi Tuesdays and two videos a week is really, really, really hard. Like I can't even stress how hard it is. Like it's insane because you have to, not only do you have to execute on the video and actually produce it really well, like you need to be correct. You can't make any mistakes and things like that, right? On top of that, you have to actually create. You have to be imaginative and think outside the box and make it interesting for the next week. You can't just make the same similar kind of idea every week. So that's, um, that was probably the other thing, which is that I need I had to think about diversifying my content. So every week I had to make something different. So 
one week I'd make an acapella video where I have uh, multiple me's on one video and then just kind of put them together, assimilate them and have like an orchestral flu guy <laughs> thing. Um, so I made those videos. Um, and then another, the next week I could make a video of me just playing in front of a pirate ship. Uh, and then the week after that would be a collaboration, I guess, with someone who I just met in Canada or something like that. Uh, and so as much as I can, I try to change it up so that I'm not always making an acapella video. I'm not always making uh, a video of me just playing the flute in front of something, you know. So I'm, I, and it's, it's mainly because I'm bored of myself. Like I would be bored of myself if I saw like three of my acapella videos at the same time, you know. Um, so for me, I just think about how I want to make it interesting for myself. Uh, so yeah, every week I just try to make it as interesting as possible with my videos. And then with my photos, um, what I did was I looked at Instagrammers who are huge, um, and they just seem to always have HD high quality pictures of themselves from photo shoots. And, um, they would like very rarely have like a selfie on their phone or something like that, you know? So then I thought to myself, okay, I guess I need to kind of take really good photos and I don't know how to do that. So what I did was I contacted photographers um, the first person I reached out to was my cousin and uh, I talked to him I was like hey man can you do you want to just take some photos of me and um, and he took some brilliant photos and then when I went to the US I met a fantastic dancer in Boston who also did photos and so she took photos of me and um, I was awful I was absolutely <laughs> awful like kind of looking out of the camera and posing and all these kind of things but I just I, and I was afraid of doing it too because I'm not a model or anything like that you know so I never thought about doing that and um, there was many personal reasons why I didn't want to do it but the more I did it, the more comfortable I became in front of the camera. Uh, in fact, that's the same with my like putting music online. You know, like I was very, very kind of self-aware and like unsure of myself, insecure about putting a video of myself playing, because it's just it's just so hard. Um, but now, after like I don't know the thousandth video, I'm now comfortable with putting that online. So I think what I've always kind of done is just run towards my fear, like whatever I'm afraid of doing on my Instagram or YouTube or whatever. I just I know that's the next thing I need to do. Um, so now I've, I've collaborated with many photographers around the world and like every week I just post multiple photos of, um, from them, from their photo shoots. And, um, I think that's helped make my work look a bit more legit, I guess, in, for someone who's just visiting my page. So I guess quality of content, uh, consistency and diversity of content has really helped with it. Yeah. I want to kind of go back to the running, running head first at your fears. Like a lot of people don't do that. So where did that kind of come within you to to start doing that? Um, that's a really really good question. Um, why did I do that? Um, I guess. Um, I mean, I I think I've always. Whenever I tried something new, I realized that good things came out of it. And whenever I did something new, I was always afraid of it. Like when I was always so when I started my band, I was like. I don't even know what I'm doing right now. Like this is because I'm a classical musician. And so that was the first time I did fusion music. And I was like, I, at that time I was a purist. I was like, I'm, not, I'm only going to do classical music. But then when I started doing fusion, something I was afraid of, good things started to happen. And I was like, okay, you know what? Like maybe when I try new things, new thing, like new things happen and good things happen. So, so then I think I got into that mindset where I was just like, okay, you know what, let's just try doing new things as much as I can. So even now I'm thinking about what new thing I can do next, you know? So um, uh, one thing I'm thinking about is maybe acting, you know, going to the next step, you know? So I don't know, like <laughs> there's like a lot of different things that are going on. Um, so yeah, you know, just always trying to keep it as interesting as possible uh, while still retaining the kind of core essence of me playing the flute. 
Like that's literally all I do. Um, so while maintaining that, just trying on the periphery to do as many new things as I can. Mm-hmm. And so with organizing the photo shoots or with working with the photographers, mm. you said you've worked with a ton of different ones now. Mm. How do I know you gave a couple examples, like one was your cousin and one was someone you met. Mm. Have you ever kind of reached out to someone that you did know to be like, hey, yes. I mean, how, like, how does that exchange usually go? Yeah. So like, um, all, all you need to do is just search the ha- like hashtag London photography in London and like just look at a bunch of photos. And what I did was I looked at the photos and I looked at the kind of work that I think would work with me. Um, and then I just messaged them and I was like, hey, like, I'd love to collaborate with you. Um, I play the flute. Um, I'm hoping it's something different in terms of your content. So I'm lucky that like I play the Indian flute, which is a bit weird. So I have that weirdness to offer, especially to artists who want to kind of experiment and things like that. So I guess my photographers are quite experimental. They do something different. Um, so, yeah, I just looked out for those photographers and I did that for a really long time and uh, reached out to like tons of photographers and um yeah, and then that's that's how it happened, I guess. So I guess I'd advise people not to just reach out to one photographer, message them a hundred times, and then get like no response. Like I'd I'd recommend to reach out to many and expect nothing. <laughs> and then just be grateful if you get one response. Um, yeah. so that's kind of what I did basically. What's your first kind of message look like? Just to kind of give people an example, like Yeah, I, sure. Okay. So my message is kind of like, Hi, my name is Praveen. Um oops, sorry. No, no worries. Hi, my name is Praveen. I play the Indian flute. I really love your work. Um, and I might give an example, like especially this one. I love the way you've done this. Um, would you like to collaborate sometime? And that's basically it. Yeah, that's awesome. I try to keep it as short as possible as well. Yeah. Do you ever run into where they want to charge you for taking the photos? Yes, I do. Um, and then if that happens, I'm just like, yeah, okay, maybe next time then. Um, you know, so like, because at this point, I, I really just wanted to, at that point, I really want to just collaborate as much as I can. Um, so... Luckily, uh, there were people who kind of just were like, yeah, like I want to grow as well. So let's let's work together. Yeah. So, so kind of like the value exchange there is yeah. you get pictures and then they get, is it like you promote their stuff? Or oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. So every time I, I post a, uh, p- a photo, I uh, not only tag them in the caption, but tag them in the photo. Um, so that like it's clearly seen. If you just tap the photo, you can just clearly see their tag. Uh, and on top of that, like if I get asked to um, interview for journals and newspapers, when I submit photos, I press them and tell them, hey, you need to. Um, credit the photographer here's their here the details social media details all that all that kind of stuff so yeah. i definitely make sure that they get the credit that they deserve especially because oh. they've done it for free you know like definitely and they've done amazing work so they deserve it yeah do they send you edited pictures or do you get them unedited and then you edit them um they send me edited pictures because i'm awful at editing <laughs> pictures. I, I don't know anything about photos <laughs> um so yeah i just leave it to their skills and expertise and just i just put it up yeah and you talked about uh, being featured in like newspapers and stuff. How often does that happen? Um, it happens maybe every, I guess every month. I get, I, I get a like a a, a legit request because you get requests requests like from all sorts of kind of people. Um, but the legit ones happen like every month, I guess. Okay. Um, and there's there's peak times and there's not peak times. So like for example, if I if I post a video and it's got on a lot of traction, then I get multiple requests in a day uh, for like journals and things like that so um yeah it really it really depends but generally i guess once a month so when you're posting the photos and you're posting videos what do you see that gets the most engagement um that's a really good question um i think generally um photos get more engagement generally but the best engagement posts are videos Mm -hmm. um because um some of the videos i guess 
they just happen to come at the right time or they're unique conceptually. So I think one of my best videos is me playing alongside a Western classical flute player, like the metal flute. And that is probably one of the best videos I've made, I guess, in terms of engagement. Um, even though underneath it, like there's all these photos that I posted um, and then the videos come. So like generally photos work. And I think it's because, um, I don't know. I think, I don't know why photos kind of generally work better. I think, um, I guess my videos aren't HD. That might be something to do with it. And my photos are, mm. I don't really know. And I guess videos generally also are landscape. And so I have a theory that like the more it space it takes up on your screen, the more likely you're like, you're gonna like it. Your theory is correct. I think I saw yeah. somewhere too that like there was like uh, you get more engagement on average if you have taken more space on the screen. Yeah. So. So that like the only thing. So I never tell photographers what to do or anything like that because I want to let them be creative. You know, as a musician, I completely understand their need to be creative, but I always kind of tell them, kind of advise them, like as much as you can, take portraits so that it just takes up more space and you'll get more engagement from that. So that's like the one thing I say to photographers. Yeah. So you talked about that video with playing with the Western flute. Mm. Is there any other pieces of content that stick out that really kind of like popped and you got a lot of engagement? A yeah, lot of well, followers? I actually don't know. So I'm going to look at yeah, my phone right now totally. and actually just give you an actual answer. <laughs> Maybe I should have been doing this this whole time. <laughs> um, so there's a way you can go on Instagram and just check kind of your content in order okay so engagement so like generally as you can see there's just videos mm -hmm. and i guess my most engagement is actually my one of my most recent videos which is the one i'm where i'm play, playing from the pirate ship yeah um and i guess and then uh, the second video is um a video of me playing uh, a version of despacito on the indian flute and that's actually the biggest video of me on youtube so i guess that would explain the engagement on thing and i guess despacito is an amazing song so i was just lucky to play an amazing song um and then um, another video is just me just playing the flute by myself on top of a track and I just improvised on it. But I guess the way I improvised was maybe interesting and visually it's just really simple. It's just me playing the flute. So I think visual simplicity is really important. And I think, again, what you play is really important. Um, but on top of that, like in terms of the photos, the biggest engagement come from, um, so this is just a picture of me holding a flute. Um, and it, But it's a beautiful picture by a photographer from Toronto, uh, Jay Baskey. And yeah, I guess it's just um, it, the simplicity of that photo, I guess, helps. Um, and and it's just beautifully shot and edited. So I think, yeah, all those factors, like, it has to be good quality, I think, and, yeah. and simple, like easy to access. Are any of those, just out of curiosity, any of those top ones, your Music Mondays or your, I think? Yeah, so, um, yeah, my, my top one is a Music Monday. Okay. Um, and I think that was a Monday when I posted that does Facito. Um, this was also Music Monday. So yeah, actually, yeah, all, all of these are kind of Music Mondays, yeah. I guess. Uh, and then once you get to like the eighth one, that's that, that's a Takademi Tuesday. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, video content, I think, helps. Yeah, that's awesome. And do you, so do you think that those hashtags helped at all or was it like a coincidence yeah, that so Monday works? I think, um, so what I tend to see is that people make the same kind of content and so they use the same kind of hashtags. And I think that that's why people hit a glass ceiling because they they rule that hashtag, absolutely do amazing in the hashtag. But then to get further, I think you need to diversify your hashtags. And to diversify your hashtags, you need to diversify your content. And so when I, for example, the Pirates video, when I put that out, I, put, I use the hashtag Hans Zimmer, hashtag Pirates of the Caribbean, hashtag Pirates, you know, like things like that, you know. Um, so by diversifying your content, automatically you're diversifying your hashtags. And that that doesn't that doesn't take any skill it's just like common sense right it's just like you 
you're playing in front of a pirate ship, therefore hashtag ship, you know, so like things like that. Um, so if you, if one diversifies their content, I think that helps with growth. Yeah. So do you think then with, on the other side of that, having a niche is important because it's kind of within your niche, like diversify within that niche or mm. device for like, diver sorry, diversify wholly, like completely outside of your niche? That's a good question. Um, I think generally to have a niche is really important. So to be a big fish in a small pond is much better than being a small fish in a big pond. So uh, I try as much as I can not to go mainstream. So like I, let it, I get a lot of requests to do Bollywood songs, to do Tamil cinema songs, like just Bollywood basically. And um, I get this all the time, every single day, multiple messages a day. And I've never ever put a piece of content about Bollywood. And I think that's actually helped me um, because it's kind of, force you to think about how I can access new audiences because the world is much bigger than Bollywood. Um, even though I love Bollywood, I just kind of want to be, um, I kind of stand out from that. And in order to do that, I need to kind of make a video about, uh, so here's a video of me playing Ainaudi, who's an amazing uh, Western classical composer living right now. Um, and so that's something that I know no one's done before. So I thought, hey, you know, let's just try it. So in terms of the niche, I guess, yes, what I'm doing is niche but I'm trying to apply it to as many different things as possible and making it niche, I guess. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, more accessible because I now do is pretty mainstream, I guess, in Western classical music. So to do that and Mozart, I guess, has, has enabled me to get put this niche into different mainstream audiences. So this is different to the pop mainstream audience, so meeting Despacito. And this is, different to me, this is different to me putting a Game of Thrones video. I haven't done one yet, but I want to. Um, which is great for f people who like film music or like scores and things like that. So I think there's just a lot of opportunity to put yourself in different places, put yourself in different shoes. Yeah, I think it's really smart because I think a lot of people think if they're in a niche, they're so boxed in, mm. but you're kind of showing a way and demonstrating that you can stay within your niche, but still kind of expand and put yourself creatively. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. Thank you. No worries, man. Another thing, so back to that glass ceiling and on the other side of growing, is there anything that you tried to do that you see just didn't grow? Mm. I know it might be hard because I think I, I saw that you're averaging almost 1,600 new followers a month, according to Social Blade. 1,600 new followers a month? On average is what Social Blade was saying. Wow, I think, okay. Unless, yeah, averaging 1,590 a month was the number Social Blade gave me. So wow, might be hard to find something that wasn't helping you grow, but is there anything you can think of where you're trying and you just didn't see that it was just not working? I guess what we could do is just go scroll down yeah, engagement absolutely. right to the bottom. For sure. <laughs> Um, okay, I'm starting to see posts like that. So I guess um, generally when there's a post where my face is not in it, it's not because I like look any like anything. Like it's just because my followers follow me as a person. So I need to put as much content of me as possible. So like if I put a, a, a post of like a poster of something and like I'm not at all in it, it's a poster of like a couple of Indian gods, uh, which is amazing. Uh, sorry, Hindu gods, which is amazing. Um, but that's not going to get the engagement because I'm not on it. You know, um, so it's nothing to do with like m how I look or anything. It's just because my followers follow me for that reason, and therefore I need to do that. Um, so, for example, it, it it works it works the op other way around as well. So if you are if you're someone who likes poetry and you put poems and not your face, as soon as you put face, it might actually get less. It might get less engagement than your poems because mm -hmm. they follow you for the poems. Um, I may be completely wrong here, but you know, so that's that's um, that's something I learned. Like put out content that people want to kind of see, I guess. Um, and then like I, I see like selfies of me with the various people like that didn't do as well um, and then here's a picture where I'm just really tiny like in the, in the corner over there even though and even though it's a HD picture it's landscape and it's just the lowest engagement like mm -hmm. so 
there's you can immediately see what works and what doesn't work and as you scroll up you can see more of me like just more faces <laughs> so like it's pretty kind of self-explanatory what seems to work i guess um so yeah just like for me it seems to be my like just showing me and portrait hd and um it seems like there's a lot of photos down here so like generally videos i guess also mm -hmm. help um actually no, i think a mixture of videos and photos to make it diverse as well so yeah yeah so how did you build that connection with your audience because clearly they're resonating with you as an individual as well as your music but if they're engaging when it's a picture of you it just kind of points to you having a good connection to your audience yeah so i i love my followers because um i'm nothing without them i'm you know i am nothing like i i, not, I don't take any of this for granted so every time anyone comments i try my best to reply to the comment thank them for their words because it's insane that they've taken time out of their day to comment on like some strangers post that's insane to me and that will always be insane to me so i see a lot of people who don't reply to the comments and i think it's kind of sad because like someone's actually like done that for you like it's nice to kind of um reply so I make sure I like every comment as much as I can and say thank you for your kind words um, and just kind of be grateful. And also I reply to as many DMs as I can. So when people message me saying, hey, like you've made my day, I reply to saying, I'm so glad I did. Like, thank you. Thank you for telling me and all these kind of things, you know? Um, so it, it helps to kind of literally talk to your followers. Yeah, so you try to respond to pretty much as many comments and everything that you as can. As many as I can, yeah. yeah and you've seen that really paid off, though? Mm. And I think so, yeah. Because, like, for example, I've, I I know I can name, like, five or six. I can't properly name, but I know generally like five or six. Or no, like, five to ten followers who are the first to comment on my on my posts and stuff like that. And I'm just very grateful to them um, for kind of always sticking there. And I know how long they've been following me. Like, they've been following me for, like, the year, you know, so they've just been there since the beginning and I'm very grateful for people like that to kind of just always stick with me. It's great to have that team, you know? Yeah. I definitely think that helps like with engaging with your audience because they engage back. Yeah. And I know you have a pretty high engagement rate as well. Again, I check social blade and everything. I think you're at like over 12 and a half percent, which is pretty high. Wow. Okay. So that's a really solid engagement. So How much is like a normal engagement? From what I understand, like people have different opinions from what I've seen. 5% is a pretty good one, mm. I think. And then like to be considered influence might be 10%. I could be a little off with those numbers, but you're definitely on the higher end of what's considered a, a really good engagement rate. Wow. So I definitely think that you engaging with your audience is definitely paying off and they're engaging right back, Yeah. Okay. which is cool. Yeah, I'll carry on then. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of back with your audience, what, how would you kind of describe your average follower? Like what, what is the type of person following you and your niche? Sure. Um, so I think there's actually um, a section on Instagram that kind of shows you this. Um, so... Literally, I've, most of my followers are from India, um, and they're around 18 to 24 years old, and 62% are women, so I guess the mini female. And uh, yeah, so I think that's the kind of market I, I seem to be accessing, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. And so is your plan kind of moving forward to grow within, like, with that market, or are you kind of looking to break into a different market? Like you said, most of your followers in India. Are mm -hmm. you going to try and get more in London or more in on the western side of the world? Like, kind of what's your plan with that? That's a good question. I think, um, I think from a business perspective, I think it's it makes sense to capitalize on the market that you're in. But I don't think I'm doing that. I think I'm doing the opposite. I'm trying to expand to new markets because the music is what's di dictating my work, not the business. Not like like I don't really look at these metrics and go by them. I go by the music I want to create. So that it's, it has, it, my music is actually kind of at odds with the business side of things. Um, so my music is telling me, hey, make the Indian flute 
different, like put it into different things. So music is telling me play Pirates of the Caribbean and I guess access the Western audience, even though according to the metrics, I should be capitalizing on the Indian audience I have. So I should be playing a Bollywood song, but I'm not. Um, so I've just, yeah, I don't know. That's just something I've just done. Yeah. Um, so I've just let the music dictate me. Yeah. So yeah. kind of what's that line then between what you want to do and what your audience wants to see? Is there something you walk or you really just do, as you said, what the music wants? Mm. So I guess the rule I've always followed is like everything I put out, I want out. So like if, so it's just something I've always followed. So like every single post I put is something I like to do. Um, and um, so I guess I've never really kind of, in that sense, maybe I'm not listening to the audience because the audience is telling me play Bollywood songs and I'm not doing that. Um, so I don't know if it's a good or bad thing actually. Um, and I know it's at odds with me kind of engaging with my followers, but then the followers I guess I have are niche enough to kind of like the fact that I'm doing something different with the flute. Mm -hmm. So I think it's rewarding to do what you really want to do. And I think the bottom line is just really do what you want to do and people who like it, be kind to them and like appreciate that they're there for you. So yeah, it's those, those things. Yeah. yeah that's it's awesome. not very not businessy at all. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. So with your po like making your content, what's your posting process mm. like from start to finish like what gear do you use how much time do you put into making your content and then mm. even posting it because i feel like some people think posting a picture takes like two seconds mm. but like you have to think of a caption you have to make sure it's a good mm. caption the hashtags you use like kind of what's your process beginning to end yes that's a really good question um so i'll talk about photos first um so with photos uh the captions are really important because if you post a photo and it's just like any other photo but your caption is i just got married that's going to do a lot better than any other photo that you've ever put. So, so it w like the caption really does matter. Um, and um, with my captions, I try to use like emojis as much as I can because um, it just makes you more personable. So that I, I tend to do that. Um, I try to make them as short as possible. Like I don't do really long posts um, because that's just because when I see long posts, I just don't read it. Um, not because I don't care about the person or anything like that, it's just because I just don't have the time and my attention span is like the worst. So I always keep it as short as possible. Um, and um, I try to, if I'm making a video, or like so for example, if I made a Q&A video, I post a photo on Instagram and then I direct them to my bio with the link on it. But the way I do it, for example, is by I say tap the flute guy, so I, I, I tag myself, mm -hmm. and then I say then go to my link in bio because then it's just, it makes it a, even easier for people to go to my link in bio, you know, just, it just really directs them. So I make sure I direct in my caption as well. So it's, I think some, the funnel, the marketing funnel, I guess, is what I implement. Um, I always tell myself, yep, make sure you, you um, credit the photographer. And all of this takes planning because, um, for example, I know I need to make a YouTube video. Like I haven't, I'm, I'm only just starting to do this, but I need to make a YouTube video with like tips or Q and A or whatever. And I want to make it every week. I want to try to get to that stage. And so I need to plan for the post on Instagram to be a photo that um, happens, it comes at the same time as the YouTube video. And so I need to plan this every week. So I have my music Monday and now I have like maybe Wednesday, I guess, or Thursday, I have to post a YouTube video and put a post on that that corresponds to that. Um, and so it does take a lot of planning. I have to plan the week out with posts and things like that. So like, for example, next week, I know what I need to post just generally. Mm -hmm. um, but then the caption, I kind of just do like maybe the day before or something like that. So yeah, it is actually, it does actually take a, a while. Um, and it's important to like, it has rewarded me like taking, making that time and effort to do it. Um, and it really, and you need to, um, really choose the photo that goes with the caption. It really is important. So like, um, what's the best way to describe this? Okay. So if I'm doing a classical show, 
I will choose a photo where, I'm, where I look really classical. So if I'm like saying I'm performing, so this one is I'm thrilled to be performing in Norway for an Indian dance arrangement, which is a type of Indian uh, dance show. Um, and so I decided not to go for a photo where I'm wearing a leather jacket, but a photo where I'm wearing an Indian dress. So it's, it goes, it complements the caption. And so I think that's really important. Like it has to make sense. So I can't just choose any random photo. I need to really pick and choose um, the photographer's photo and capitalize on their amazing work, you know, um, do justice to that, to their work. Yeah. So do you kind of have like a catalog of photos that you have banked up that you can yeah. use whenever you need them? Yeah, I must have like hundreds of photos now. Um, yeah. But I'm still always looking to collaborate with new photographers and the same photographers and different con like use different concepts and ideas and things like that. Uh, but yeah, I do have like, I must have hundreds of photos now, like yeah. just logged, ready to, to post. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, that's So that's what I do for photos. And for mm. videos, it really varies how and what I choose to make. When I'm in London, I have a lot more time. So I make acapella videos because they take a lot of time. So the acapella videos are the ones where um, there's multiple me's in square boxes playing together. So they take a lot of time and planning. And so I do them in London when I have a bit more, a bit more time to do that. And when I'm out and about and traveling, I make really basic videos of me playing in front of a pirate ship in Montreal. So when I'm traveling, I actually make, try to now start to make use of the fact that I'm in a different country. So like, for example, in Canada, like what I'd like to do maybe is just go in front of, I don't know, a big, like maybe a flag and just play the national anthem on the Indian flute, just mm -hmm. in front of the flag, you know, just, so just really capitalize on the traveling aspect. Um, and then here, the latest video I made was with a, a, an Indian guru who I've grown up with and he's been an amazing mentor to me. And so when we were performing for a show, we were hired for a show, I was just like, hey, I turned to him, I was like, hey, can we just make a video? You know, and just capitalize on the opportunity I had with him and we made a small Takadumi Tuesday video. Um, so then there's, and then, but back in the day, I used to put more of an effort to making music videos for YouTube and then I just put them onto Instagram. Um, but I find because people are m spending more time on Instagram, I've now spent more time making content for Instagram than for YouTube. Um, and so back in the day, I used to make you know videos like the Despacito cover, which worked amazingly on YouTube. I mean, it, is, it was great on Instagram, but it just took a lot of time because I have to really get the audio done and the video done. It just takes a long time. And something like this was made for YouTube, like the my cover of New Rules with Melissa Flutes, um, which is Western classical flute and Indian flute side by side. That It just takes a lot of time. Uh, and I felt like in that time, I could have made like three posts or something on Instagram um, that would have worked really well on Instagram, um, I think. And also, again, the other drawback is that these are landscape. And you know, it, just, it just seems to seem it, all the kind of signs point to me just making more casual videos um, that just increase the engagement. It's like there's a there's a post of there's a video of me playing in front of a post box and mm -hmm. I played a, a like a childhood um, TV show called Postman Pat. I don't know if you have it here. I don't, don't know. know. No. OK, uh, well, maybe like I've never heard of it. Yeah, it's it's huge in Britain. And it's actually I found it's people in Europe actually know it as well, which I didn't know. But it was it's a British children's TV show and I just decided to play it in front of a post box because it was national it was world post day so I just did that and this took very little effort because I just had to learn the song and just play in front of it just get my mom to hold the camera and that's, that's basically it mm -hmm. so it's a lot less effort so I've kept I've now tended to minimal effort more posts but still diverse like this was I had to think about what I was doing here I had to plan this but in terms of execution is as little as possible um, so that I can just have more time to make other pieces of content. So I think I've gone to more towards quantity, um, but I had to kind of learn that process. Like, I don't think anyone should start by doing that. Well, maybe they should, I don't know. Um, 
because I know kind of both worlds now. And so if anyone wants to collaborate with me, I can also make high quality recordings and videos and send them over as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you like film a video like that or the Pirates of the Caribbean one, is that just shot on a phone? It, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, when when people commented, they were like, it just looks really professional. And I was just like, yeah, no, I mean, I think she just ha held the camera really, really well. Um, I need to thank her for that, actually. Like, it just seems, I don't know, it just seems very smooth, I guess. But mm. she was literally just holding my phone and just, um, I told her, hey, just like, just show the ship as much as you can, basically. Yeah. And I had to do this in one take, actually, because I'm, I'm not sure if we were allowed to play um, <laughs> there. I didn't ask anyone permission for that. So I'm not sure if we were allowed to, so I just had to do it in one take and then get out of there. Um, but um, yeah, like in terms of concept, the concept is unique, but the execution is simple. So that's what I'm trying to mm. tend towards nowadays. And that was kind of recently one of your most popular videos, right? That's yeah, one. Yeah. I think that's cool because I feel a lot of people stress about gear and what gear to use. Mm. And one of your most successful pieces of content was made with a phone, mm. right? So I think that's something that people need to keep in the back of their heads that yeah. the gear doesn't always matter. Sometimes, like you said, it's the content you're putting out. Exactly. Exactly. I think concept is more important than execution mm. these days. It just seems it just seems like that for me. Yeah. Uh, is there a time of day that you like to post or a day of the week? Because I know you have your music Mondays and you're doing YouTube stuff on Wednesdays. Mm. Is that a, is there a reason behind that? Like, have you found that you get more engagement different times of the day, or is that just kind of what works best for your schedule? Um, it's so music Mondays kind of I just kind of arbitrarily chose that. Um, I don't even know if that's when my my followers are there the most. Um, but the reason I would post on Wednesday and Thursday after that Monday is because I don't want to post on Tuesday, ideally, because I don't want to spam. Mm -hmm. So I try to keep space out my content as much as possible. Although, like, people, everyone who's successful on social media tells me you should post every day. So maybe I can, I'll get to that one day. But I just need to make sure I, cr I can keep the standards of my content the same as I expand to posting every single day. It's like franchising. Like, you need to make sure every McDonald's store reflects the quality of the first McDonald's store, you know? So it's like that. Uh, not store, but uh, restaurant, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah cool so with um with posting everything is there any apps you use or is it all just through instagram like do you have any handy apps like whether it be for instagram like feedback or helping you make your content like for examples some that i have is like unum so you can see your photo grid before you post mm. or like one guy i know this is a photography example but it's called photo pills and it just tells you where the sun's going to rise from where the milky way in the sky will be at night like is there any special little apps you use that kind of help you out or no but maybe i should get these actually these sound awesome um i I've, i haven't actually i'm just looking at my phone i haven't actually got any apps that kind of thing i think i downloaded a few but i've never used them mm -hmm. um like i i downloaded cut story to make like longer stories i think but I, i've just never used it like um so i think i've tried but i've just i've never done anything like that um the one that i've used though is legend which i've used to um so when I when I make a Music Monday or something, on my story I promote it, and the way I promote it is I don't just say Music Monday, I make like a video that says Music Monday. That's, oh, that's it. It's, cool. it's not even like, yeah, like it it doesn't take that much effort. It's like a really small tiny ad that just does that for free. Yeah. Um, it really isn't that interesting. Yeah, so I just put it on my story just yeah. to make it more fun. Of I course, guess. that's called Legend. It's called Legend. Yeah. Yeah. From the iOS store. That's awesome. Mm. And then so like the cut story one, that's one that like would just, if you have like a one minute video, it cuts it up for you for Instagram. Yeah. For the stories. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I just never used it though. Yeah. I just, I think I w went on YouTube. Someone recommended that for stories because I, I kind of wanted to document my traveling on mm -hmm. stories better, but I just have not gone around to doing that. Yeah. So I hear and I, I think now, I don't know. Like I have, we have like, I have an Android, you have an iPhone. I'm assuming it'd be mm -hmm. on iPhone, but now Instagram lets you upload it and it breaks up for you now. So if you have mm. more, yeah. So I've, cause what I started doing is I've started like trying to document just my day, mm. just 
like every day on mm. my Instagram story. And just because, for example, if I'm able to get this podcast to some point where it has some form of like really good success, mm. it would be cool to go back and watch when I'm first starting. Mm. So like I think I started around the third or fourth episode. But now I've noticed that like if I'm talking, I'd have to talk 15 seconds and stop post and start talking again. But I can talk and it the circle just keeps going around and around and just uh, adds like a little one. So just a little if you didn't know that. I just yeah, figured I'd I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. No worries. I just want to let you know. Um, <laughs> kind of pivoting from Instagram to Facebook. You have over 10,000 followers on or so followers follow, likes on Facebook. Likes, that's I guess. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. And then we kind of kind of talked about the Fusion Project hitting 15,000, but you ran this one to 10 ten thousand what like any tips you have for that like how did you kind of grow it to over 10k mm. so generally i uh i don't um so i i kind of post the things i post on instagram on facebook um but i i i do do a few things with those posts um so people kind of generally post on instagram and then just click the uh the button that kind of lets you post on facebook simultaneously mm -hmm. i actually don't do that i go on facebook and post separately on facebook because i think there's a few things that doesn't work on facebook when i see a person on facebook when i see those at symbols next to people's names and they're not like highlighted on like they're not in bold because there's no tag to that because it works on instagram not on facebook i think it's just uh, it looks like it's really uh, messy i agree so i when i post on facebook i don't put any of that i um and i don't put any hashtags uh, because I think that also makes it just look cluttered on Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, so I take, I, I just take all of that off. And then the thing about Instagram is that I don't think you can, um, if you have like three sentences in your caption, you can't space them out. So on Facebook, I do space them out. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, that's why I, se I just post separately on Facebook. Um, that, yeah, it's just a thing I do because I think it just looks neater as a post. And I think that's that works for Facebook and not on Instagram. Yeah. So that's one thing. Um, After this, remind me about that. I'll show you how to space out your captions on Instagram. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just remind me that. Okay. Yeah. 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 Also, yeah. I do need to know this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely bigging out all of this. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think that's what I do generally on Facebook, and it seems to have worked um, so far. Um, I also know that so on Facebook, I know that I have an older audience mm -hmm. than I do on Instagram. So I know that. Uh, even though they're also from India, I think they're, ge they're just generally older. Um, so I'm thinking like the uncles and aunties are like always on there. Uh, like my parents, when they see my posts, they see it through Facebook, not on Instagram. So I find that really interesting. So I make more of an effort to promote the content that might not work on Instagram, but might work on Facebook. So mm -hmm. like I just make sure that they're there ready at the right times and all these kind of things. So Takadami Tuesdays, for example, works much better on Facebook than it does on Instagram. Okay. So as an example, you know, uh, the post where I'm wearing Indian clothes works a lot better. And actually, no, they, they seem to work on both platforms actually, but the post where I'm wearing like a leather jacket don't do as well on Facebook as they do on Instagram. So there's a tendency to that older, it's just audio. It's just the audience is much older and yeah. it just works on Facebook. So I make sure of that. So with it being a different audience, how do people find your Facebook compared to like, your Instagram? Um, I think generally through the sharing of certain videos. Um, so there's a video of me just in an Indian dress, just playing flute um, over a track. And that, um, I think it got like 50,000 views on, on Facebook, awesome. which is cool. And um, I think it got shared onto various groups. Mm -hmm. um, so that helped. Uh, and these groups are like Indian classical groups. So I think that really helps. So I think um, just kind of, making like just the con just being aware of the fact that the content that you make that's more not western i guess for me mm -hmm. and then it's just for older audiences i guess sorry that's what i meant older audiences 
just seems to be working better. So um, making sure those are posted at the right times and things like that, um, and really making sure it's there, I guess, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's cool that you're going after Facebook because I feel like a lot of people, it's the, it's the forgotten platform. It is. I feel like. And I think I think out of all the guests I've had so far, you have the biggest Facebook. Oh, no page. way. Yeah. Oh, okay, wow. <laughs> so I think I think it's cool that you're still going after it, even though because a lot of people, well, it's an older audience. Mm. But that older audience is working for you, right? So I feel like... It still exists, you know, yeah. And I think Facebook is here to stay mm-hmm. as well, you know, so I think it does help, yeah. Yeah, and then shifting to another social media platform youtube i consider it social media mm. you have a youtube as well i think I you do. try to post once a week it looks like yeah yeah do you have any plans for your youtube i think you're sitting around 3.4 3.5 thousand <laughs> subs yeah yeah um i'm definitely thinking about youtube i think um what i'm gonna stop doing because i've done uh, what i've done is put, put my instagram videos on youtube and i think i'm gonna stop doing that i think i'm just gonna leave them on instagram and facebook and on youtube just use it as a platform to kind of talk about my music talk about my traveling talk about the things i do and maybe give any tips i might have uh, not really tips, but just things I do that that people might want to do themselves. So, just try to put that kind of content on YouTube is what I'm thinking about now. That's where my kind of mind is. So putting that every week, uh, and so I'm putting a video a week on Facebook and Instagram, and a video a week on YouTube that's different to those videos. Um, and yeah, just making sure the content is appropriate to each platform is what I'm trying to do. Because uh, because. I know when every time I put an Instagram video on YouTube, I know it's not going to do as well. I don't know why I do it, actually. I think because people like it, I guess, but I know it's not going to do as well. Um, so I, I think I might stop doing that and just really respect the platform that it's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with YouTube, what gear, do you have like a camera you use or are you using a phone? Yeah, no, I'm using it. So I've got a DSLR Canon camera that my dad had and he never uses it. So I was like, I'm just going to use it myself. Uh, so I just put it, put it there um, and just whatever it is, just talk for 10 minutes and then uh, put it on iMovie, edit it, and then just chuck it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, and so you try to do one a week? I'm so trying to do one a week, yeah. It's easier said than done. Um, trying to get into that as much as I can. Yeah, any plans to do any vlogging or anything when you're traveling? Or I've been thinking about it, um, but I guess maybe I should. I mean, because I'm afraid of kind of just walking around with a camera in front of me. Uh, but as I said earlier, I need to run towards my face, so maybe I need to get like comfortable doing that. I hear you. Yeah, so yeah. I might, and I need to purchase a camera actually that does that because my Canon is like heavy, so I need to purchase like one of those small ones. Mm. And I've, I think I've seen it on, like on YouTube, like they just kind of lift that thing. I think every time it's about this big, and the camera pops out from the, the yeah, so you can yeah. see yourself. I think it's the Sony RX100. Yeah, okay, I'll write ones. this down afterwards. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think I might need to get that, and I don't even know what I'd vlog though. Like, maybe I should just document. You know what? I Absolutely. should just document, and then just go forward from there. Yeah. yeah. So w- what kind of led, why, why do you say document? Where did that kind of come from? Um, I think because um, it just seems to be the easier thing to do. Um, I think, yeah, I think documenting is just a lot easier to do than kind of thinking. I think what people tend to do is that they overthink things. Like I'm overthinking right now about like what vlogging is right now. And I, need, I just need to tell myself, if you just document, a document just sounds easier. It just, it's like, it's more passive. It's more, you don't need to use your brain. Um, whereas creating content sounds m- scarier. So I just tell myself documenting or just recording what you're doing is, it just sounds like more digestible, more like, more accessible, easier to do, less scary. Yeah, when it comes to documenting, is there ever plans to record your shows and put them out or when you perform? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I, I, yeah, you know what, that'll be, that'll be, that would be appropriate. So yeah, while I'm traveling, like just hand it over to someone and they'll be like, hey, can you just record me for like 10 seconds, I guess, like, just yeah. and I'll just edit that into the thing. The other thing I'm afraid of doing is just like spending a lot of time editing these videos and things like that. But I guess, I don't know, like I think the more I do it, the quicker it'll become. 
I just need to, I just need to do it, shouldn't I? Yeah, I'm learning a lot from this. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad. That's awesome. And then the other, Twitter. Yes. You have a Twitter. I don't. You have like 256, 250. Yeah, really basic. I only just started to like this. I didn't like. I think last month I decided. You know what? Maybe I should just tweet some stuff. Yeah. So I'm only just starting to get um, yeah. to grips with that. And um, I think my aim with Twitter is to kind of uh, really engage with my followers. Like I like talking to them. So. I think Twitter is a great place to kind of build that community and just discuss things, you know, so um, hopefully that's where my Twitter goes. Yeah, that's fair. And so with all four, you post on all four social media platforms. Mm. What's your, I know we've talked about it quite a bit, but like mm. what's your kind of content strategy for breaking up content? Because you don't want to just post the same video, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. Mm. So kind of where is that line with what can you post on all the platforms? Is there something you only post in some places, some stuff that only belongs on Facebook? Like kind of where do you land on that? Mm. Okay, so I guess, okay, using Twitter as an example, like if I tweet something, just just like words, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to post on Facebook. I'm not mm-hmm. going to post it anywhere, to be honest. It just doesn't work. I mean, Instagram, you can't, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, but what I could do, um, if I, which I've actually just done for the first time today, is just screenshot that tweet and just put it on my Instagram story. So that's something I've just started to do literally before you came. Yep. Uh, I was actually saying oh, I'm going to get an interview today. So oh, just, that's yeah. awesome. Um, so, you know, I think that's something I could do. Um, with regard to other content, um, I think even on Twitter, photos seem to work uh, because photos are eye-catching. So every time I post a photo on ins- onto Instagram, I, I tweet it too. Um, but I take away like um, a lot of the ads, I guess, because not many people use Twitter, I think, compared to Instagram. So a lot of those ads don't even... Mm-hmm. like translate to twitter and sometimes it's a different handle right it's not as a different handle. yeah yeah exactly um and so what the, i think the one major thing i do is that with youtube with the q a videos and the tips and things like that i'm not going to actually take a segment of those videos and put it on instagram or facebook i'm just going to put a photo on instagram facebook and then refer people to the youtube video um and that's mainly because i think the engagement is low uh, like I've tried it and I think the engagement is a bit low people don't seem to be responding to those as much so I think um, and also it helps to direct people to the YouTube video so those are the kind of two main reasons so really make sure my YouTube is just a bank of all the kind of things I do other than the flute um, although like every now and then I, I guess I'll put a music video out um, and then my Instagram will be a repository of like everything so all my photos and like the small videos I make and then the photos will be directing people to the YouTube and then my Facebook will just reflect the Instagram. Just it'll just be cleaner, I guess. Like in terms of posts, like it will just have fewer. Ha- it will just won't have hashtags, and it won't have like as many ads and things like that. So that's where I am right now. Yeah. So that sounds like you're a busy guy. <laughs> why do you? Why do like? Why do you post on all four platforms? Mm. And why don't you kind of double down? Like you're like double down on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube because you see it's working. Like, mm. what's the motivation behind posting everywhere? That's a really good question. I think. Um, I think it's um, it's because I respect the idea that my audience, m- like my followers and my audience, they they constitute people who are different to me, and they might not use Instagram like that. Some of them will use Twitter a lot, and I think it would make their day or like it would make them happier a little bit if I put something, if I tweeted something, um, and so that's my main motivation. I think it's just um, people are different to me, and so I need to respect that and try to engage with them in different ways as possible as much as possible um and i also believe that regardless of everything i think twitter will still be around i think it will still be used it has it definitely has its place Mm -hmm. in the social media platforms and facebook is definitely gonna stick around so i i definitely want to continue doing the facebook thing 
um even though yeah i think young people seem to kind of just think everything's on instagram and it is with young people and it's just like there is a whole world out there i always think there's a whole world out there like away from all of this you know um like be it in my indian classical music or be it in the social media platforms i use so kind of sticking to that principle as much as i can yeah in all areas of life i guess that's fair and then so this kind of isn't exactly platform specific but i saw it on facebook was you're doing a live stream i think it might have even been yesterday yeah yeah it was yeah it was really recent um i just decided that's the first time i ever live streamed actually oh, really? okay so i just decided to do that so what i did actually was i went on instagram went live on instagram and then i told my followers all right i'm gonna go live on facebook now uh so catch me there so that was my way of actually directing my instagram followers to my facebook or making maybe making them aware of it because i feel like maybe people on instagram might not even know that i have a facebook maybe i don't know um so it's just my way of being like go to facebook oh like here i have a facebook go to it and then um i've, I've never been live on facebook before so i it's just something new that i wanted to try see mm -hmm. where it goes and i actually like i was very like surprised with the result like it seemed like a lot of people were engaging with it um it was insane um like i think mm, i think at any one time there was like 50 or 60 people on like on that live so i was just like you know what i should do this more i think and people liked it like people commented like really nice things and i was just like okay you know what it means a lot to them that i do this so i might do that more often um and then like my page also had a lot of like new likes and followers and things like that as a result so i think that was partly due to the fact that i went live mm -hmm. um and also partly to the fact that i directed people from the instagram so yeah, like maybe one day I might go live on Facebook first and then say, I'm going to go to Instagram now, catch me there, you know? So, yeah, just trying different different new things out, seeing what works, what yeah. sticks. I nope. think it's always about testing and learning. Absolutely. Uh, what do you talk about in your live streams? Like kind of what was the That's content? a good question, yeah. So um, I, I always have my flutes on me because a lot of people just say, hey, play this. So I'm like, okay, I'll play it. <laughs> um, but I also ask, I also encourage my um, listeners, watchers to kind of tell me ask me questions and stuff like that like what you know what do you want to know i'll answer it live for you um and then whenever someone someone says hey i'm just like hey you know and i, and I say their username you know i think it you know makes them it, it's it makes that day to kind of like just say their names like call them out you know absolutely ask, and i'm also like you know how's your day going like where are you from like where, where are you messaging from and like i get comments like oh i'm from brazil and i'm like wow that's insane you know so hello brazil you know um so try to find out about them as much as they are about me um, and really kind of create that community. Um, I don't know if you can go live on Twitter. Is that a thing? I, yes, you can. Yeah? Yeah. You know what? I might do that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's through Periscope. Mm. So there's a way to go live on Twitter I've seen. Okay. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. Like, it makes sense with the idea of just kind of community building. So I might go live on Instagram one day and be like, all right, I'm going to go on Twitter and go live there. So join me there and see what happens you know yeah. and maybe someone who's huge on instagram might think of doing that to kind of if they don't have a facebook page that might be a great way to kick start the facebook page mm. maybe yeah that's awesome and then just other kind of other platforms that i wanted to get your opinion on see if you're using them or not mm. instagram tv and snapchat are you doing anything with okay. either of those um so instagram tv i have put content out there uh and actually i think like last week i just went on it to kind of see how it's doing and it seemed to be doing okay i think but um i don't know i, d I don't know how how well people are engaging with it um no one's really talking about it these days mm -hmm. um, so i just like neither young people nor old people are older people are talking about it so i don't know i guess i need to ask people like are you using igtv and see what's going on with that yeah. um i don't know yeah, i think every, whenever i get the chance i'll just post on igtv um, but i haven't done that in a while okay. and then for snapchat i have never done anything on snapchat yeah. 
but maybe I should. Because uh, like when I talk to really, really young or like pe- you know, people, like they are like, yeah, we like they just use Snapchat all the time. So it might be something worth doing because I think the way it works is that I can just whatever I put on my Instagram story, I can just put on my Snapchat, right? So mm-hmm. I think I guess that's just I think not so. that much effort, right? So yeah. I could do that. I could. Um, and I, I also have also, I guess, like there's a thing where like apparently it's a rule where like whatever's not like kind of exploding right now is where you should capitalize and like grow yeah. your market on. And then when it does, you're like there. So maybe I should go to Snapchat. Yeah. Yeah. Does it ever get to be too much? We've talked about like so many different platforms and mm. you're performing and you're traveling. Does it ever get to be a lot where you're kind of like, whoa? Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, sometimes it gets overwhelming, like with posts and stuff like that, because I have to perform and things like that. So like if I'm on stage and I'm like, oh, like maybe like it's Monday. Crap, I need to put like for Amazing Monday, you know, like I've kind of once you kind of devoted yourself to that cause, it's um, it's hard to kind of maintain because you do have also that like you also have your life you know like I, I love spending time with my family so that I need to kind of respect as well and I love spending time with my friends I need to respect that as well so like I'm never on my friend I'm never on my phone when I'm with my friends you know yeah. um, nor do I want to be um, and um, so I do I, I kind of want to sorry the phone was ringing what was the question <laughs> again okay. <laughs> it was just never get to be too much yeah yeah so I guess it, it does it can um, but I guess I have to also remember like it's not the end of the world. Like if I miss a music Monday, it's not the end of the world. Like, like, like the world moves on, like it's fine. You know? So if I miss an, if I don't do posts for a month, that's fine. Like it's cool. You know, like, so don't, don't ever let it get too stressful. I'm never going to let it get to me mm-hmm. as much as I can. What do you hope people take away from your content and your music? Um, I hope that, um, I hope they experience like, any one of a range of emotions which is like for example surprise like oh i never thought this could be done so i want people to feel that uh, sometimes and sometimes if it's something like soulful i want people to you know like i, I guess how you res- respond to any music i'd love for them to respond like that like oh like that moved me you know or you know something like that you know like that those emotional responses matter a lot to me mm. um and that that's been the case since before i did the whole social media thing it's just music so i I hope for those things. Um, and then um, I guess with like replying to comments, like people say, oh, you've made my day after saying, if I just message saying thank you on a DM, you know, um, you know, so that makes my day, you know, when they say something like that. So I think in that sense, like not only is kindness like a, I know it's just kindness is just nice. It's just nice to be nice. Um, so I just try to do that as well. Yeah. Uh, with being known as the flute guy and things growing, are you okay being known as a flute guy or do you want to end up one day being known as Praveen? That's a good question. Um, I think I want to stick to the flute guy as much as I can for now. And because I also, also have this kind of little kind of, because um, I don't put Praveen as a public name as much. So when people do say Praveen, I'm like, wow, like you've really like done your research and you found out what my name is. That's pretty cool. So that's also like this little kind of exp- like game I play. Um, but yeah, generally, I think I want to keep the flute guy as the flute guy because um, it just seems to be the most accessible way kind of understand what I do <laughs> uh, and in terms of the casual nature of what I do as well so I think that's the guy part and then me playing the flute is the flute so I want to keep it that like that I think yeah so what's next what's next what is next is um so like in terms of practical stuff I guess like really focusing on YouTube and making those different kinds of videos um, and that might progress to vlogging and things like that and uh, like I was talking to the kids who live in this house and they were like, why don't you try like challenges and things like that? And I was like, okay, never thought about that. You know, maybe, um, 
so basically just kind of doing the things I fear in that respect. With music, I think that's also going in its own direction. Um, my music is kind of taking me to different genres and I love it. I love, like, I can't wait to, like, collaborate with, like, a blues musician one day, you know, and just make a really casual video outside of, like, busking in New York at that subway, you know, that'd be really cool. So my music has that kind of direction where I'm just trying different genres. Um, and um, I guess with my photo shoots, like, um, my photo shoots are, like, also, you know, a big part of the content I make and stuff. And so that's actually been, people have been contacting me regarding, like, going into, like, films and things like that from India. Um, and I was initially uncertain, but I feel like at maybe one day I might give it a go and see what happens. Um, and just, you know, just give it a try and just test and learn and experience new things. So everything seems to be going in those kind of directions right now. Yeah. yeah. What... Um Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. That's okay. um, major goals that you're striving for. What is some like some big like is there like that one thing you're really chasing or are you just kind of mm. kind of going with the flow and taking it one step at a time? I'm definitely taking it one step at a time, but there are some um ramifications, I guess, or things that I guess kind of um spiral out from what I'm doing. Um I've already seen like a bit of that from what I've been doing. And these things are like, for example, when I work with classic FM. I, re I realized that what I'm doing is representing Indian music for them. So what I've started to realize is that not only am I just playing Indian music, I'm actually representing the music of India, which is which is starting to become like a more of a thing as I carry on what I'm doing. Um, so that's huge for me. And then I realized like if I carry on doing this, like it might get to a point where like I represent like the bridging of cultures. Because that's what I'm doing every day. Like every time I like when I play Pirates of the Caribbean, what I'm doing is bringing India to Hollywood, you know. So what I'm I guess the larger picture is just bringing cultures together and showing that there's like no boundaries between these things, you know. Um, and that scares me. So I don't think, think about that too much. Uh, I do take it one step at a time. But that's, I guess, the kind of bigger picture of what I'm trying to accomplish. Yeah, that's awesome. So before we wrap up, are you cool if we do like a little Q&A? Just kind of like, I feel like we got to know you, that we talked about the social media, and I like to finish with just like getting to know you on a non-large scale, like on a pretty person, not personal scale, but. Guess an Iprovene. Yeah, nope. yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. yeah, is that cool? <laughs> yeah. Perfect. So I, I used to call it rapid fire. So when I, but when I say that, people would think fast answers, fast questions. Mm. You don't have to give fast answers if you don't want to. Like if you want to expand on anything, you totally can. Mm. Uh, but first question is, what's a show you're binging on Netflix right now? Or not Netflix in particular, just what show are you binging? Well, I've binged uh, Better Call Saul. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just waiting for the fifth season to come out now. So yeah, I'm on that. Yeah, so did you watch Breaking Bad before that then? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. It's <laughs> a good show. It is. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite app that's not Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter? Okay, let me just check. Yeah, everyone has to <laughs> check. Yeah. No worries. I guess WhatsApp doesn't count, right? I think it does. It does? Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, another app that I do use is, uh, let me just check if this is correct. Um, so I've been using, I've got a piano app. Oh, cool. And it comes in really handy. It's really simple, but like, seriously, it's like the most useful thing I've ever downloaded as a musician. <laughs> yeah. I'm ashamed that I hadn't had it sooner. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, who are some of your favorite people that you follow on Instagram? All right, let's, let's do <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so I follow some amazing photographers and um, like um, uh, dancers and musicians. Um, but I guess people who I don't know, I guess, is, is the kind of question. Um, oh, wow. So there's a there's a instrument called That Viola Kid. 
I actually didn't know that. I didn't know, know about him before I made the flute guy. So it just so happens that I'm the flute guy and he's that viola kid. Um, but I love his work and I love that when I message him, he replies, you know, like, I, like this is like last year. So, and so that, like I learned that he really engages with his audience. You know, he really cares about, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he recently just got verified like a couple of days ago. So I messaged him but like, that's insane. Like I feel genuinely happy that he had that. Uh, and he made a really emotional kind of story about it and like how like the day before he didn't feel like any like anything was happening and then the next day he got verified so you never know you know don't give up and all that kind of stuff so super super influential for me like i've been following him for a long time so you know what i'm gonna stick with that rather yeah. than going to scoring down i love the, that viola kid yeah are there any youtubers that you really like to watch really good question again um so there's a guy who i've collaborated with um called mahesh Bhagavan, and he's the guy who i worked with for my despacito cover uh, so that was actually on his channel i love his work absolutely I'm a, i've always been a fan of him mm. so yeah yeah what music are you listening to right now right now i listen to it always varies because of the nature of my work but uh right now i'm actually listening to Tamil cinema music because that's something i don't actually do um i know very little compared to most people actually from um the south part of India. so Tamil cinema is like the language Tamil and then okay. the film music of that so i'm actually starting to listen to that a, mo a bit more but before that like pop music just chart music um and i love hip-hop yeah do you listen to any podcasts I don't no? actually no, but I want to get into it mm -hmm. and also put stuff on podcasts as yeah. well. So yeah, I want to get into that. That reminds me. I think you had. Did you have a podcast briefly on Anchor? I think I saw. Oh, really? Okay. I yeah, that I was actually seen. Okay. Yeah, you were a po but you post like it wasn't like you talking. Like you post your music. I post my music. Yeah. As a podcast and yes. not as a as like an audio. There's like a music track. Yeah, what, yeah. It was kind of like you're just trying something new. I out was trying or? something new. Yeah, yeah. that's fair because I think I found it on Spotify. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah, so that maybe tells you something. Yeah. yeah. So, because I just did a quick little search to see mm. if you're posting music or not on Spotify or anything, mm. or is there plans to post on Spotify? There, there are. You know what? And that's actually one of the other things. Like, I want to, um, because I have a lot of original music. I just haven't put that out. So, I think what I want to do is though is make videos for them, and then when I release it, release it on all the video platforms, and then say if you want the audio, it's available on Spotify and iTunes and whatever. Yeah. So that's what I want to do next, actually. Yeah. And so that's reminding me of a question I totally forgot to ask. Uh, how do you record all your your audio and your music? Sure, it varies. So like um, with the really casual Instagram videos, it's on my phone. Mm -hmm. um, but for my music videos that go on YouTube and things like that, like the, the proper ones, I guess, um, that's recorded with the audio gear that I have. That's just like just a road mic and like a Scarlett um, thingy. Um, and uh, and then just my Mac. And yeah. then I just use like Logic. Oh. And I just, just chuck some flute in. And like it's really, really casual, really basic. Because um, I know that people aren't too... They don't, they're not too meticulous because I've seen other musicians like really spend time on the audio quality, which is great. But I think at this stage, people don't really, really tune into like, oh, the, the reverb's not great there, or, like the delay's not there. You know, people are not going to say that. So like, I just think, so even though I, I use good equipment, like I use it like really just in a basic way. <laughs> I'm not yeah. proud of it either. <laughs> That's fair. Cool. Sorry, back to the q and I just got sidetracked there. Yeah. Uh, books you'd recommend or like your favorite books? Right now I'm reading um, The God of Small Things by Arundhati Roy. It's about um, um, these like children growing up in uh, Kerala, which is a part of South India. Um, yeah, that's what I'm reading right yeah. now. That's really cool. That's fair. Um, so this is probably the first time I get to ask the question this way. Mm. Um, usually it's about Ottawa because the podcast is based, but rest what's your like favorite restaurant in London or like that hidden gem? Oh, Really good question. Um, it's hard to say because I love like KFC. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, I guess what would I recommend to people? Mm-hmm. Do I have to say London? Doesn't have to be. If yeah. There's a restaurant somewhere else in the Anywhere world. Else? Okay, yeah, okay, okay. That that that's nice. Okay, so basically, I love in Toronto. I actually I love Jack Astor's. I think it's really mm. unique. Like and the like the range of food that you get there is amazing. Um, so am I going to stick to that? Jack Astor's. Yeah, I'm going to stick yeah. to that. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> um, so our next question is: Do you have any consistent morning and night routines? Something to start your day or something to end your day? Uh, really, no. no. And that's the like that's but that's because I'm a musician and like because of traveling and all that kind of stuff, it really messes everything up. But I try as much as I can to. Thing is, I stay up late in the night, so I actually wake up quite late generally. Um, but I stay up in the night because that's when I'm really creative, and I just think about I plan life and things like that during the night. So, yeah. That's so generally just staying up late. Yeah. Uh, three items on your bucket list. Okay. Um, I'm a huge traveler, so just just like the travel thing, but I think everyone says that. I really don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, mean, uh, um, I want to go skydiving. Yeah. That's something I want to do. Um, um, I guess like just going somewhere really, really, really remote. Like Alaska has been on my mind like for a long time mm-hmm. but also somewhere like the hot version of alaska so i think that's like somewhere in the amazon rainforest or something but really be careful because i've heard some horror stories but uh that um what's another thing um oh and when i went when before i retire or when, when i retire i want to paint oh cool how so come yeah. when you retire not nothing not before yeah i think uh, it's just something that i think um it's just solitary and quiet and i think that will probably be the biggest thing I'm capable of doing like as an 80 year old. So that's, yeah. And it's just something I've always liked seeing. So I went like my university, like every now and then some guy just comes and just sketches like the college I'm at. Yeah. And it's just really nice. I really liked seeing that and I'd love to do that. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, so you're going to dinner. You can take three people. They can be dead or alive. Who would you take to dinner? Amazing. Okay. Uh, so there's a composer who, who's from Indian classical music who lived at the same time as Mozart. Okay. And, I've just always been curious about him because he's the Mozart of our music. So him. Um, and on top of that, um, Linus Pauling. Okay. Because he's the only guy to have won two Nobel Prizes for different categories. So he won the science one and the physics one. Mm-hmm. So I find that really interesting. So not physics, science one and um, peace. Okay. And I find that really interesting because in my mindset, I, I, I love to, I'd, I'd rather think of myself as a multi-potentialite, not someone who just does music. Like mm-hmm. I am a scientist as well. Yeah. Um, so like I want to, th- kind of not box myself as one thing so like the flute guy i don't think will last forever i think that at, after some point i'll be like you know i want to try a new career so i think he's really influential like he's really influential on my life so linus pauling yeah um and i guess maybe so that's in terms of like what i want to and then i guess steve jobs yeah maybe yeah okay. why steve jobs because um he believed in something when like everything else was against him mm-hmm in many yeah in many scenarios like you know he didn't have a house for a long time you know before he he made apple you know he went to the harry krishna temple for the only good meal he could get for that week you know like it was he struggled then and then when he was kicked out by everyone from apple he made pixar or he contributed to to pixar Mm. so like i just think that someone like that really kind of believes in what he's doing and just works really hard to just for the sake of that thing not for himself yeah it's awesome we got three questions left um, f- the third last one is what's the best advice you've ever gotten um, and from who if you can remember okay uh, so there's a um, brilliant tabla player so he's an Indian classical drum player called Zaka Hussain 
I can't believe I'm going to say this. All right. So yeah, this is Kozaku Hussain. He's like a legend. And for me, he's a legend because what he's done is take the tabla and put it in different genres and make it accessible to the world. So like he's, he's always been a role model for me. And like, I, I try to do what, what I'm doing is basically try to do what he's doing in the 21st century because he did it back in the 60s. Um, when I met him as a 10-year-old boy with my friend, we went up to him and I was like, hi, sir, like, can you give me some, like, can you give us some advice about what to do in music? He just turned to me and said, like, don't listen to other people's shit. And our response was like, oh, he's what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now I'm just like, I am so glad he said that. And um, well, whenever, thing, whenever anything's going right or wrong, I think about what he said. Yeah. So was there like anything like why that stuck with you all these years later? Um, I think it's just the bluntness. <laughs> like I, at that time I was like, no guru would ever swear or do anything bad. So that was a huge wake up call. Uh, Cause he was like considered the best of the best, yeah. you know, like he's up there. Um, so for him to say that, like really changed my perspective it, in a single moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he's saying is, it is true. I think that it helps that it's true. <laughs> Yeah. So that's why it's stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's something about you people would not expect? Mm, I am, I guess I'm picky about food. I'm really picky about food. Like as much as I travel and try new things, I don't like seafood. I okay. really, really don't like seafood and I don't like cheese. And I don't like eggs. It's, it's, um, I'm ashamed to say it. Yeah. So like, I'm, I like everything else though. So I guess there's some, something, but yeah, I'm quite a picky eater. Last question is what's one thing that everybody should know? doesn't have to be about you. If it can be about you if you want it to be, but just something that everybody needs to know. Okay. Um, okay, so recently I've been talking to like various different kinds of people who don't, who are listening to other people and doing what they say. I really believe that you should just do what you want to do and um, don't ever do something because someone else has told you to do it. I'm talking after school, after mm-hmm. university, really. Um, yeah. Like, just don't do what people say. Because like, a lot of our decisions are that. Like, if you really think about it, like, n- like almost 100% of our decisions are, you know, it's because someone else says. So you really think about what other people think. So don't think about what other people think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you, man. I just want to give you the floor. Where can the people find you? Where, like, where should they follow you on social media? Sure. Pl- yeah. So, everything. yeah, yeah. So, um, I guess if you search the flute guy on Google, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, um, I've got platforms there, I guess on Spotify as well. Um, and I'll definitely, yeah, I'll, I'll be on there regularly. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you once again, man. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode. Make sure you go follow Praveen, the flute guy, again. Everywhere and anywhere, just search the flute guy. You'll find him, guys. He puts out some awesome content. I highly recommend you check him out. And if you want to follow the podcast, you can on Instagram at, at mysocialpod. And if you want to follow me, you definitely can on Instagram and Twitter at the Jacob Kelly. Thank you once again for listening, everyone. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you once again for listening to this episode of My Social Life. As always, whether you've listened the entire way through or you've only listened to bits and pieces, I really appreciate you taking the time to check this out. If you guys could do me one quick favor, I'd really appreciate it if you guys went and followed Praveen on Instagram. Again, he's at the underscore flute underscore guy. If you just search up the flute guy, he'll pop up, guys. And you can also find him on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook under the flute guy as well. And if you really enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and a review. The more positive ratings and reviews we get, the more that the podcast platforms are going to promote the podcast and recommend it to other people. So that just means more people are going to see the podcast and listen to the podcast. And it's going to help it grow and grow this community that we're developing here. 
Also, if you want to follow me, you totally can. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the Jacob Kelly. And if you want to follow my social life on Instagram, you totally can. It is at my social pod. And speaking of my social pod, guys, if you're listening to this, take a quick screenshot, post it to your Instagram story, tag at my social pod, and I will share it to our Instagram story. Thank you once again for listening to this episode of My Social Life. We'll talk soon.